spirit and in truth worshiping you, lifting you up. And we're looking to you, Father, for what you have for us today, our daily bread. We are here to receive our portion from heaven. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We put you on the throne, not only of this meeting, but of our hearts as well. And we ask you to feed us with the bread from heaven till we want no more. We love you, Father. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I was looking forward. Our our girl Mo from Pittsburgh was supposed to be here today. <laughs> Shout out to Mo and Dylan. They're engaged now, y'all. So we are very, very at Shannon's cousin from Pittsburgh. You you she's been here before a couple times, three times before. Yeah, so she and Brother Dylan are is engaged. Amen. <laughs> to be married. So we just want to acknowledge that and bless them and, and we're so happy for them. Amen. Uh, because they have found the one, at least the one on this earth. So, <laughs> so anyway, so we thank God for that. We look forward to seeing them sometime in the future. We believe we will again. So praise God. So we're going to continue our subject from yesterday, which is. <laughs> Let your faith have the final word. Amen. Let your faith have the final word. This will be a, a sure cure from worry, from concern, from stress, fear, uh, wondering, wandering, indecision, uh, halting. Amen. Uh, faith is confidence in God. Amen. It's confidence in God. Don't try to put your confidence in yourself. I think when we do that, that's that's a sure sign. That's when the wavering starts. That's when the don't put your confidence in your past, what you know to be or experience necessarily, unless it's experience in God by testimony. But even with that, every uh, step is a new day in God. And so you you just have to find out what he has for you today. Find out what he's doing today and and be a part of what he's doing in the now. And and keep it moving. Keep yourself going forward in the things of God and and uh if nothing else just making plans and and um uh, getting understanding, looking for uh evidence to support your faith things that you you got on the drawing board with God you you want to keep keep strengthening that so that when the door opens you'll be able to leap through amen and that's why we walk by faith because our faith is still being worked on Jesus is the author and the finisher so if your faith were everything that it's ever going to be he wouldn't be the finisher of it amen so so God knows where you're going he knows what you're going to need to get there and that's what we're doing every day when we live by faith and, and walk by faith and not by sight we are putting ourselves in the will of God and we are getting there where is there where he says we're supposed to get <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there is a place called there. It's a place of of uh, completion, a place of success, a place of pleasing God. We please God with our faith, and I think that's 
that's real important to remember because there are times when when we begin to question whether we're what we're doing is the right thing and whether we're on the right road and how did we miss it and where are we going and but if you know that your faith pleases God the exercise of your faith is pleasing to him that'll take away some of that wandering wandering you know what's going on and and uh, all of that uh those answers can be those questions can be answered through the exercise of your faith when when i say that i mean you got your faith working all the time it's like working on something amen uh even if it's just to uh um you know find your keys when you put them put them aside and then you find that somebody's eyes is directing your eyes to fall on them you didn't find that by yourself Amen. And, and so you'll realize and, and always acknowledge God when he does something. I think that's the important part too, because many times God's working with us and we just kind of take it for granted. We just keep going and keep doing and don't really thank him, acknowledge that he's the one that's doing these things. And so I think it's very, very important. And that keeps your faith engaged. That keeps you, uh, on, in the spiritual frame of mind and in, in the, the spirit, uh, your, in your renewed mind more than in your, your natural mind. Amen. Uh, your natural mind is going to fight the things of God all the time. That's what we're up against. We're up against ourselves. Amen. And so you got to acknowledge that everybody has that. You're not being singled out and picked on. As somebody who's got a stupid carnal mind, we all have them. Amen. We're born in sin, shaped with in iniquity. So the the really the challenge is to overcome that and to press into your renewed mind, the mind that has the faith of God uh, energizing it, that has the ideas of God, has the knowledge of God, can pull ideas from heaven. Amen. On a regular. And just live out of heaven's resources all the time. And so when you have your faith engaged, that's the kind of mindset that you find yourself in. It's not that that ideas won't come up to you that will try to put the fire out. Because that will happen all the time. Amen. But you don't want to help that. You want to continue to, to burn uh, in your thought life, in your imagination, in your words, in your expectation. Everything about you is is gathered into God's kingdom and into what God has for you. We can't afford to have idle thoughts and idle words. You know, they, they just won't add up to anything good. And so we, we have to do what the Bible instructs, that when something, a thought comes up that is against the knowledge of God's trying to uh, get ascendancy in your thought life, you know, well, who do you think you are? This will never happen for you. But, <laughs> really? You? Huh? Really? Yeah, devil, really. Amen. Yeah, me, devil. Amen. And 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 just... In a, a a way of gathering your thoughts together, the Bible says you are to cast those down. In other words, don't let them be the, the highest thought in your mind. Don't let them be the last thought in your mind. Put those down in their proper place and begin to see God yourself as God sees you. It will blow your mind to see your real potential in God. Amen. And most people haven't seen most of it because God doesn't want us walking around dizzy all day long. 
He'll show you enough to make you a little bit excited. Amen. And if you'll continue to meditate on it, he'll bring the rest of it out for you. But there's some, some wonderful and some glorious things, you know, coming up for us if we'll latch on to them and not let unbelief, doubt, and anything else push it down. See, the, the unbelief and doubt want to exalt something above what God is putting in your mind and in your heart. Amen. If, if he tells you, you know, increase your expectation of your income by $3,000 a week, that'll mess your head up. But he, when he says it, he means it. Amen. When he says it, he means he's going to give it to you. Amen. The devil's people out there cleaning up. And with no doubt and no anything, and I deserve it. You know, they'll tell you in a minute what they deserve. Amen. And so, and, and you don't have to go that far. You just bless God for sending it to you. God, get it to me before the devil sees it is coming. Uh, give it to me on the QT. Amen. Special delivery. Unmarked box. Amen. No return address on the label. <laughs> don't let him know it came from heaven. Amen. And just do these things. Just start doing them. Amen. And, and expecting more from God because he's got the more for us. Amen. And he means it. So, so we're going to continue on, um, uh, uh, talking about the things that, that, uh, letting our faith have the last word. So we'll continue there. If you'll turn to second Kings chapter four. It's a familiar story about the the Shunammite woman, <clears throat> and um, we know her story from knowing that she has received the prophet's reward, and that's what's working in her life. Um, she's not uh, uh, an Israelite. Uh, she's not. She doesn't really have a covenant with God, even though uh, people were allowed to to be converts. Uh, if they so chose. You see that in the story of Ruth and Naomi. You see in a lot of places. Actually, when they crossed the Red Sea, they had some converts. Amen. If you believed it, something bad was going to happen in, in Egypt at midnight, you went over and found your Jewish friend say, I, I got some jewelry. You want it? Huh? <laughs> you made friends with somebody really, really quickly. Amen. And so there were a lot of Pharaoh servants that wound up being the servants of God because of that. God doesn't, I mean, it's the way we all come to the Lord now. We come by faith and we come out of need and, and that's a good thing. And we stay because we realize how much we need him and how, and how many ways we do need him. And so here the Shunammite woman is someone who's, I would say she's a potential convert. Amen. And, uh, and, and so she, she begins to observe Elisha passes by her, her property. She's a wealthy woman, uh, with an older husband. And, and so she tells, says, says to her husband, why don't we just make a chamber for him? He, he comes by here regularly and I'm observing him and I believe he's a holy man of God. Now how does she know that? Except God tells her. You understand what I'm saying? God has to validate and and back up these thoughts 
before we can move on them. And so she convinces her husband that's what they need to do. And, and they're, they're wealthy people. They can uh, afford to do it. And, uh, in, in, in those days, people were accustomed to offering hospitality to people as they traveled. But, but inviting somebody in permanently is different. Amen. So she decides to, in verse 10, let us make a little chamber on the wall and let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he will turn in there. So she wants his company. Amen. This is the first step of faith. You have to want what God has. You have to want the servant of, you have to respect the servant of God. You can't be skeptical, critical, and all of that and think you're going to receive from someone. Uh, you have to offer them, uh, 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 peace. And that, that's what she's doing here. And it says, and it fell on a day that he came there and turned into the chamber and was lying there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, behold, what has been, you have been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for you? Would you be spoken to for the king or the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. Now what this is, he's offering her, um, favor, blessing, um, and she's reluctant. It's like, your relatives and, and your friends, when you first get saved and you tell them about Jesus, they say, no, I'm, I'm good. That means I want to go on sinning for a while. I'm not ready to do what you do. And so she's refusing not just the gift, but the giver of the gift. She don't want to get tied up with God. But she's curious as to where this guy is. So right now she's not really in with it 100%. But she, I think she wants to observe him a little bit more, whatever it is. She doesn't want to make that decision right now. And so, and God is after everybody making that decision, first and foremost. You understand? He blesses people because it's the goodness of God that leads them to repentance. Amen? Always has been, always will be. And so, she says, no, I'm, I'm satisfied. The way I am, I'm satisfied with the God I'm serving. And so he said to Gehazi, what's to be done for her? Now, now it looks like it's all happening at one time, but I believe it's a different, different, uh, timing here. Uh, he, he asks her in person. She refuses. And then after she refuses and leaves, he asks Gehazi, what a little snoopy servant of mine. Little nosy servant of mine. Huh? See, this is why prophets had an extra set of eyes, ears, hands, and feet. Because they couldn't observe everything. They didn't know everything. And they didn't know to find out everything. But the servant knows what to do. I'm, I'm casing these people out. I'm checking them out. I'm going to see what's going on in this household. Because I have to trust that the man of God is safe here. That we can can come and go. It, it is what they say it is. So Gehazi has gotten some information on this family, and he says, <clears throat> um, he said, "What is to be done for her?" And Gehazi said, "Well, to be honest with you, she's got no children, and her husband is old. 
So it's, they're almost out of time. Amen. And this is something that, that the prophet, you know, it's just common knowledge that this is something that people want in their lives. They want to have children. You have a marriage. You want to have children. You want to see your, your seed continue. You want to have joy in your household. All of the above. And, but they're missing that. And, and that's something that God can do very easily. In fact, he can do anything very easily. And so he says, uh, and he said, we'll call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, you shall embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to me. So this is the wall of unbelief that we all hit when good news comes to us and we're not prepped for it. We're not um, seasoned for it. So. So what God does with us and with everybody else, he lets us get accustomed to hearing good news. That's why meditating on the word is so powerful. You can go from zero to hero to shero, uh, in, in 60 seconds meditating on the word of God. Now how do we meditate? We meditate in a lot of different ways. You can and take the word into your heart, to your mind mentally. You like that word. You begin to rehearse it. You begin to see yourself receiving it, see yourself doing certain things. All of the above is part of the meditation process. Meditation can also be receiving something and enjoying it and, and making plans for it in the future. And it seems like this is what happens with her. And it says in verse 17, in spite of her refusing the blessing with her mouth, amen, she conceived. Why? God can't lie. He already told her when it was going to happen. If he didn't think he could fix everything in between, he wouldn't have told her it was going to happen then. Amen? When he puts a date on it, especially, it's signed and sealed and delivered on that date. So he knows what he's doing. Amen. Now, now people will say, well, uh, you gotta have faith. You don't know that she doesn't. You just know what she said just now. Those of you naysayers who don't believe anything half the time, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> Amen. There's hope for us. You know, you don't know if she might have been believing at one time. Might have even cried out to God at one time for children. You don't think that seed of faith that she she planted years ago, God can breathe new life on it and come back to life again? Look at, at uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. When he was in the temple, God said, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? You don't find an elderly man still praying for children. But he prayed at some point. And at some point that faith was received by God and God's been working on it. See, that's what we don't see is God working on it. And we don't believe sometimes that God is still working on prayers that we prayed many years ago. And what have we been doing in the meantime? Speaking against it. Cursing it. 
saying it won't happen. All of the above. Amen. So these things God receives. When he starts working on something you prayed, you better believe it's going to come to pass. If there was faith on it, it will come to pass. Amen. It definitely will. Many times we don't get to receive some of the things because we walk away from the expectation of receiving. Amen. Certain things we can receive. Certain things are out of our reach because of lack of expectation. So there's oftentimes some qualifications that we have to have for receiving that if we don't get in line with the receiving, we won't get it. So that's why God will come and repeat something to us that we prayed for many years ago. And they'll, he'll, you'll see, oh wow, you mean to tell me that God still, uh huh, he just knocked on your door and told you it's delivery time. Amen? And so it's, it's, it's amazing what God can do and what he will do when he wants to bless somebody. He will get that blessing to you. Amen. In spite of us sometimes. In fact, in spite of us, period. Nobody in here is doing their faith walk perfectly. Nobody I know does it perfectly. Amen. We all stumble. We all hit a hindrance. We all hit a brick wall. We all hit a roadblock. But that doesn't mean that seed is dead. In fact, if that seed ever had life in it, it's still got life in it. So he told her about this season. She said, oh, no, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. But probably deep inside, she was hoping it was true. Amen. This is a perfect example of what Brother Hagen said. You can have doubt in your head with faith in your heart. Your head can be doubting and saying an unbelief and I don't believe this and uh, you know this, uh, I just don't, you know, you see people like that to get miracles. I don't believe this. Well see their carnal mind is reacting in shock to what the spirit man, man knew was coming all along. Your spirit man has looked at his watch and set the date and the time he knows is coming and he ain't telling your carnal mind. Cause he don't have to tell him nothing. He don't have to prep him for the miracle. Because the miracle isn't received by him. It's received by your spirit. Amen. So she she protests. She conceived, bore a son at that season. And Elisha said to her, according to the time of life. Verse 18, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. Grim reapers. Huh? And he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him, brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. Amen. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And when she called to her husband, she said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men on one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. I may run and come again. I may run and come again. Come again, why? To bring him to revive my son. Amen. And he said, why are you going to him today? 
It's neither full moon nor Sabbath. She said it shall be well. Now, this is interesting because verse 23 lets us know that she's been nibbling a little bit on on faith in God. She's been observing some holy days. She goes to see the man of God in accordance with what his God requires as obedience to their law. So she's been trying it. Amen. She's been uh, hanging in there. And he said, uh, uh, she said, and when he said, why are you going? It's, it's not a holy day like when you usually go. And she said, it shall be well. Amen. It shall be well. So he, she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, there's the Shunammite. Run now, I pray you, to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. Now, this is, this is the thing that, that I get, or, you know, can, you can kind of surmise. The prophet's been expecting something bad to happen. In some way. Because he asks her. Is your household. Well or is your household in trouble. And so. He sees not only. That she's in an emergency situation. Because he sees the same thing. Like the husband said. It's not the new moon. It's not any of them holy days. Why are you in a hurry to go. Why are you even going to see the man of God. And so he, everybody kind of suspects something's wrong, but they don't know how to zero in on it. And so the fact that she's showing up on an off day, so to speak, is indication to the prophet that something has gone wrong in her household. Something is motivating her to come out of her place of of security and her place of peace. And so... This is hindrance number one, and that is the death of her son. Amen. Um, but she decides, she understands enough about God by now and about the way he does things that she's got to put all her confidence over in God. So she says things that she feels God will honor. Amen. And God, I'm trusting you. And I'm trusting you it's going to be well. And I'm trusting you that it is well. Amen. And so she begins to prophesy into her own situation in a way that kind of works toward life. Whereas her words before were don't lie to me, you know, kind of accusing the man of God. She's kind of grown a little bit now. But this negative seed is still out there working. Amen. This seed of doubt about whether or not God would bless her with this boy is still working. Amen. Um, the same thing with the, the widow that, that just had the little bit of meal and so forth. I'm going to bake this. This will be the last meal for me and my boy. We're going to eat it and then die. And then he later died. See, because that seed of death was still working. 
And so we we have to make sure we bring ourselves and everything we possess over into life, into God's kingdom, so that we can live. And those seeds that have been planted get uprooted so because they are continue to work and bear fruit in some degree. It's like every time we have a, a negative thought somehow or speak to the negative, that, that goes somewhere. And see, that can easily go into a negative expectation that we've had until we, in our, our thought life and in our, boy, God, I didn't believe, I, I, I didn't know my words were that powerful. Well, I repent. I'm, I dig that, that negative seed up. I curse that right now and I don't want that to prosper. And, and we can go on expecting life. Amen. And so this is, this is the way it is with the seed and, and how we treat it and how we water it. And so she says it is well. So she's doing the best she can to uproot that negative seed because she sees somehow she can do something to alter the situation. Amen. She wants to change this situation so she begins to be careful about her words. She's been around the man of God long enough to know that's a method that he, he's been using. He only prophesies to the good and when he prophesies to the good, it happens good. And if he has something negative, it, that comes to pass too. So she's been observing and she's been understanding some things. And so she, she, she gets there and she tells the servant, tells Gehazi, it is well. But she proceeds on to the man of God and she caught him by the feet. This means it ain't well. See, you can have a right confession and a right expectation in your heart, but then your flesh shows its desperation. So she's desperate for an answer from God. She knows she's yet to get that answer from the Lord. So she impresses upon him as much as she can her desperation. And Gehazi came near and began to push her away. Everybody say bad usher. Okay. (laughs) And the man of God said, let her alone. Amen. For her soul is vexed within her. You can see that. And the Lord has hid it from me and hasn't told me what it is. So this is, this is known only to her. Amen. So you can take that a number of ways, but what I take it to mean is that her faith is going to have to drive this miracle now. See, if if the man of God knew already before she got there, he could be in process of doing something. But her faith has got to drive the miracle. So it's on her to keep this all is well expectation. Her expectation has got to be for this this boy of hers to come back. The other thing we got to understand is at this point, she ain't sure who she can trust. But she's, she's putting all her, her chips on God, on red, the blood, amen? Because she's got to 
get this done. Now, we all know prophets are human too. That might be part of it. The servant definitely is human. We don't trust him, period. <laughs> you know, she, she, she don't trust her own servants. So she's not going to tell him anything any either. But but God even hid it from the prophet, and I'm thinking she might have been hoping that God would have told him already. Amen. Take the burden off of herself. And so then then she blurts it out. This is what the problem is. She don't trust the man of God. She doesn't trust anybody, and she's not sure she trusts God. And that was that's been the whole problem. All these years, I don't know how old this little boy is, but she's had all these years to get her act together and believe God and believe in his prophets and prosper and convert. Amen. Become a convert. She has done. She's she's honored God, honored the man of God. But her heart, like like the Bible says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Amen. And so God wants her to draw near in her heart. He wants her to be fully persuaded, fully converted. He wants the whole thing. Amen. Period. He's, he's revealing himself to her so that she can trust him. Amen. Nobody wants to be refused when you start revealing yourself to people. So God's expecting her to, to step it up, sister. Amen. Let's get it together. And then she says this, did I desire a son from you? In other words, did I ask you for him? Didn't I warn you not to deceive me? Like so many other people. She had probably been to fortune tellers, soothsayers. That's probably been her history because if she's serving Baal and any of the Baals, you can go to them anytime for an errant word. So she's probably had money taken from her in exchange for these false prophecies, been told she was going to have a kid this time, that time, that time, and it never came to pass. That's why she was so quick to tell him, don't deceive me, because she's been through this before. God will even reverse your negative history. If you've been barking up the wrong tree all your life for your information, One day you'll run into a true prophet of God and get a real prophecy and get something that God can use to help your life. So she didn't know the difference between him and some of them jokers she'd been dealing with in Madam uh, uh, Gazelda with her crystal ball and in the palm reading neon sign on the ghetto street. You got to know that's the devil. Most of them houses don't even have enough electricity. They got to plug into somebody that pays their bill. Madam Gazelda got a neon light flashing all day and all night long. huh? (laughs) So God wants to pull her out of the false, put her into the true. Because there's she's a prominent woman. And that's not the only reason. But she has blessed the man of God. That's the major reason. Because once God can take somebody who's a nobody and make them prominent. So he's not, he's not trying real hard more. He's not giving more effort to saving wealthy, well-known people than he's given to saving the person, the humblest person in the street. He puts up the same effort for them. 
you know, Kim Kardashian, if she gets saved and starts preaching, is not going to save the whole world. She's going to save whoever she can reach. But she just will be saved Kim. You know, she won't be somebody that God's really wanted to. You know how people think sometimes that I've been praying for so-and-so because when they get saved, when they get saved, you don't know what they're going to do. Only God knows what they're going to do and what they're called to do. So let us not get this out of balance and think some people are more important to God to save than others. That's just not true. Amen. Amen. And so uh he's, you know, he saved a lot of movie stars in the past. Amen. He's saving them now. So it's not a big deal to God who they are. But this woman is a prominent woman. She's a woman of influence. And if she can give a testimony, that's the other issue. Amen. She gonna is she gonna tell when God says to tell, and so uh, it says here. Uh, and, and so it says here. Did I not verse twenty eight? Did I not tell you? Did I not say? Don't deceive me. Yeah, you said that, and that's what's happening here. See that word is still working. That negative word that caused her son's life to hang in the balance is still working. Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff. Staff is always a symbol of authority and the anointing and power. Take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet somebody, don't talk to them, especially not now. And if anybody salutes you, don't even, don't even wave at anybody. Amen. Why is that? Don't, and go lay your staff on the face of this child because every time you step out any, these are hindrances and the prophet knows it. God wants, God plans a straight connection between us and the place for the deposit of the anointing. He doesn't plan any distractions, any, and they dissipate the power. Anything that distracts your attention has the potential to dissipate the power that you carry that's going to perform the miracle. Many times, uh, prophets were told, don't say anything to anybody. They stepped out and started talking to somebody, and that person said, was a prophet themselves, and say, well, you're going to get killed right now because you were told not to do this and you disobeyed. How's that for fun? Huh? Strict orders are, see, Christianity is, is kind of funny because we think grace means you can just yuck it up, do what you want to do, and God will still use you. I got news for you. That ain't true. We are called to, this, Christianity is a discipline, first of all. It's something you discipline your life to. Serving God is something you discipline your life to. You just can't do it. Oh, yeah, I think I'll go over here and try this for a minute. Try that. No, 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 no. God has not got anybody on tryouts. This is a real thing right here. This is as good as it gets and as tough as it gets. But God's got us all on program, y'all. So learn how to follow the program and don't assume everything you want to do is okay with God. Amen. You just, just walk in that, that discipline of listening to him, obeying him, no matter what the cost is. So Gehazi is told not to stop, 
not to yuck it up, go and run, don't wave at your, your buds, you know, especially them other prophets, sons of prophets that want to prophesy to you and tell you something else. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. So this is her, your God will be your God and your people, my people was the, the Ruth Naomi thing where you commit yourself to the man of God to see this through to the end. Amen. Why? Cause she probably refused to do some of the things in the past that he thought she should do. Remember, I dwell among my own people. Stiff arm in the prophet. Don't lie to me. Amen. Everything she's been doing up until now has been at a distance. If you never come close in your life, come close now, sister. Because it's, you know, (laughs) everything's on the line right about now. See, she's smart. She knows how to commit herself to the Lord. Probably could have been doing it all along. But God gives us more chances. See, he's working for her now. He's enlightening her now. Everything's coming clear to her now. She said, didn't I once say, don't deceive me? In other words, I've been putting the life of my son on a level of a false prophecy. I've had this out there just like everything else I've been told was going to happen that didn't happen for me. So she never fixed that. She never corrected that. She's kind of had that in the back of her mind somewhere. Suppose something happens to him. I I don't know if what that man told me was true or not. Maybe his God is pulling tricks on me. Maybe this is going to end. Got me? So then she vows to never leave him. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. He has not awakened. So Gehazi is expecting, he's not the problem here, folks. He is expecting this boy to come back to life, but it has not happened yet. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went up and lay upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Now this is spiritual resuscitation. Amen. Artificial resuscitation would be to do the mouth breathe like we do. Amen. But this is spiritual resuscitation. So he wants life to come into every part of this child. And that's why he makes contact with him like that. See, now in, in, in CPR, I dated myself by calling it mouth to mouth. They don't call, they haven't called it that in decades. But anyway, 
In CPR, what do you do? You focus on getting the heart beating. And then the heart has to carry nutrients to every other part of the body so that they can come back to life. Well, what happens if you're too late? You get brain dead. You get somebody's in a coma for a long time. You didn't touch every part of that. What if people started doing that? See, that takes faith, that takes boldness, that takes, because people could accuse you of all kinds of things. But what if people started reviving each other that way? You know, when sometimes when you hug people, that gives them a sense of well-being all over. You ever think about that? In an embrace where somebody is really caught how how the transfer of life can come to them. It's amazing. I mean, it, and I'm not saying that you got to be anointed to do that, to do that. Sometimes it's just human contact can kind of recharge people. Brother Hagen said that he was, he was bedridden for 16 months or so. I know it was over like a year and a half and expected to die. He had heart disease. He had blood disease. He was paralyzed. But he said that when he would, he would go into, he would go unconscious and would wake up six weeks later and th- think he had just gone to sleep. But he said that while he was unconscious, he remembers people coming, touching him. And he said that just the touch of another human being kind of revived him. He said he felt life going from them to him. Amen. The lesser is always blessed by the greater. That's just a law of transference. And so think what we do with people. See, if believers could step out in enough confidence that God is with them in boldness, think the life we could bring to people. Just in a handshake or a touch or a fist bump or a high five. Why do you think the, 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 you know, World Health Organization, CDC and all these people want us distant, want the six feet away from each other? Scientifically, they've proven that anything closer than six feet, that person, there is a connection person to person that brings what they call positive energy. Amen. It's the life force of humanity. He said, but they say, but when you go beyond six feet, it doesn't work anymore. So why do you think they want us at a six foot distance and more? Amen. So that we can't draw life from each other. That's why the suicide rate is so high. Amen. So anyway, he revives this kid. Amen. The flesh of the child got warm. And when he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him, 
And the child sneezed seven times and his eyes opened. So this was all one movement. Amen. He, 35 comes in at the same time as 34. So he began to walk to and fro in the house, stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Now, the walking to and fro is important. Amen. Because, number one, what he had that he thought carried the power failed. And that was his staff. They fully expected Gehazi to come back with good news, and he didn't. It didn't work. So Elisha had to go further into God to find out what was lacking and what they needed and to bring from God. It's like when you go in to, to pray for somebody, you don't just pray the first prayer that jumps in your mind. You wait until God gives you the words to pray or you pray in the Holy Ghost until the, you know, you get an interpretation and what to say and all that kind of stuff. This is spiritual preparation. Amen. For something that he's not really on, on the, on the fly prepared for. So God has kept the answer away from everybody. He didn't tell her to tell anybody. He didn't, it didn't move on, on the servant to, to know it. Elisha didn't know it until they got in the situation. And that's when God opens things up. Now why do you think he didn't tell them 10 miles ago down the road what the problem was? Well what would you do if you knew what it was? Lord have mercy. Oh Lord. The boy dead. Oh, I shouldn't say that, but he dead. Come on now. Of course. God needs, he don't need your crazy brain, your unbelief. God does everything he can to help us to bypass our natural man so that we won't. And see, servants are real bad. Because the first thing they think, I knew something, which I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> oh, girl, don't look. Huh, let me tell you something. That's why he told them, don't talk to nobody. Don't stop. Just keep going. Because Gehazi is ready to pop. Because <laughs> huh? he knew their worst fears about this woman have come to pass. They know she's been faking it instead of faith in it. So today is her day. She gonna have to faith it or she ain't gonna make it. So if she's got any love of God in her, it's gonna have to be proven this day right here and right now. And so he sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. In other words, it wasn't easy to bring this little kid back. Amen. And he called Gehazi and said, call her. He called her. And when she was come into him, he said, take up your son. And she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground, took up her son and went home. So she's a good girl now. All her doubt, fear, unbelief, that's been dealt with. And see, this is what has to be dealt with in us. It's not like God not going to kill your kid to get you to believe him more. 
But God has to deal with sometimes old stuff that's been stuck in our brains and, and in our hearts for a while and get it out and get more of him in there. And, and that's what he gets for her. It's kind of interesting because over in, let me see. I forgot to look this one up ahead of time. In Second uh, Kings chapter 8. This is this is an interesting part. Uh, then spoke Elisha to the woman whose son had, he had restored to life, telling her, Arise and go and take your household and live wherever you can live, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it shall also come even upon the land seven years. And she got up and did what he told her to do. So here's another test. Are you willing to leave your comfortable surroundings, your wealth and everything to obey the word of God? Do you really believe God? And she went with her household and journeyed, sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. By this time, it looks like her husband may have passed away because she begins to be the spokesperson for the household. When seven years ended, She returned out of the land of the Philistines and went forth to cry unto the king for her house and her land. And the king talked with Gehazi at the same time she shows up. And he says, tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha has done. In other words, when kings want to hear good news, they know who to call. Huh? They call somebody who's operating in the realm of good news. And it came to pass as he was telling how the king had restored a dead body to life that behold the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is the woman and that's her son. So there's the testimony that God has been looking for whom Elisha restored to life. So when your testimony can be heard in the ears of the king, it goes far and wide. Amen. And it's validated by a living person here. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king told him, yeah, this is what happened. This is my son. He fell dead and blah, blah, blah. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, restore to her all that was heard and all the fruits of her field since the day she left the land, even until now. Amen. So God is still blessing her. The prophet's reward is still working in her life, even though it's been challenged by her own unbelief. See, God, that's why Jesus is the author and the finisher. He'll override your unbelief or he'll show you to renounce it. He'll show you how to get it out of the picture so it's not working behind the scenes to defeat you. Amen. So he brings all of this to the forefront. Amen. It's not to make you feel bad. Oh, Lord, I can't be, I can't be me. I done something wrong. Yeah, you did something wrong. Stop running your mouth and figure out what to do to correct it. That's all we do. We, we run around trying to lament what we did wrong when your sin is not an issue anymore. He wouldn't have went to the cross. You can repent of anything and get a, a, a start all over again. Amen. As long as you're saved. <laughs> Put it to you that way. You haven't rejected the Holy Spirit, then, then you can, you can get forgiven. Everything's forgivable. And God will give you, when He forgives, He puts you on a new road automatically. Gives you a new start. It's automatic. So, uh, she, she was in that place where her words, her negative words 
had begun to bear fruit in her life. So she has to cut that off. So she only says what she wants to see happen from now on. Amen. She has an inkling that's what to do. She's probably observed the man of God enough to see what he does. But she's still skeptical of him. Amen. Bad experiences can ruin a good new life in God if you let it. Amen. If you cling to the past and cling to what somebody did that wasn't right and it didn't happen and, and they took your money and this is this and that's that, um, you can, you can start to see how it will work against you. But this day, the stakes were high enough that she decided she was going to cut the nonsense out. Amen. And so she submits herself to the man of God, even to the point of leaving all of her possessions at his word. Amen. And and she's living for God now. She trusts the man of God and she trusts God. And so this is what God's looking for, folks. He's looking for that total trust, total commitment. And when she she saw that God was trustworthy and she began to trust God. He looked out for her until the day that she, you know, her son probably went ahead and, and inherited that property and went on and lived, lived for many years. Amen. As a servant of God, if he was smart. So, uh, so anyway, so that's that, but she had to overcome these hindrances. Some of them are deep seated. Amen. It doesn't matter how deep seated they are. God knows how to root them out. He intended for that boy to live and not die. And he had to prove it to her in a way that caused her some stress, but she got the message. Amen. She, she got her son raised to life again. So, so amen. So, okay. So, um, this, uh, turn to first Samuel 17. We see David. It's kind of a familiar story, but he had his hindrances to overcome as well. Amen. We all do. Whenever you use the faith of God, something's going to pop up to try and stop you from using it. Amen. First, there's always fear involved in things. I don't care where you go, where you live. Fearful thoughts are going to come and try to intervene and interrupt what God's doing. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us the the uh, uh, strength of God, power, love, a sound mind. A sound mind is able to think like God. To me, that's what that means. You you think the thoughts of God. A sound mind is also a renewed mind, which is our rightful inheritance. You're entitled to the thoughts of God. You're entitled to hear from God. You're entitled to believe God. And so that's what God begins to provide for us. In the place of the spirit of fear. So, so here we have, uh, the Philistines of 17.1. You see the Philistines are gathered together to, uh, to battle the army of God. And Saul and the men of Israel are gathered together. And they're on one side of the valley and the Philistines are the other side of the valley. And what they're doing, they're set in what they call battle array. But they need to engage. And nobody's engaging. It is on Israel to engage. It's not on the Philistines. Because they got their man down there in the valley taunting the armies of Israel. 
but nobody's come down to answer him. Amen. Really, in God, all it takes is an answer. You're not trying to go down there and fight. You're not trying to, because the battle is the Lord's. He says no man is going to be able to stand before you. What does that mean is going to happen to him? If they can't stand, what do they do? Uh, absolutely. Okay. So that means every foe that tries to stand in front of you is going to drop dead. God didn't say who was going to kill him. Do you understand what I'm saying? But they ain't going to be able to stand. They're going to drop dead. And that's all you need to know. Amen. You need to know the end result. Amen. And so it, 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 the, it, the Philistines are on one side of the mountain. Israel on the other side. A valley between them. Out in the valley is Goliath, who's cursing everybody. He's a big guy. Um, and, and it says, he stood and cried to the armies of Israel, verse 8, and said to them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man. You know, why are you still up there? Send somebody. Because we need to get this over with. He says, and the, the prize is, we'll serve you forever if you can beat me. And if I beat him, then y'all going to serve us forever. Well, Israel ain't really in the mood to serve nobody. They never are. Amen. But they always wind up in some kind of trouble that way. And he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we can fight. See, as long as they don't answer, whoever is challenging you has the floor. So you want to give an answer as soon as possible. You don't sit up and listen all day to the devil tell you what's not going to happen. You on the wrong road. Oh, you, and then this is a capper. You never should have done that. If you hadn't done that yet, I'd still be listening to you all day long, devil. At least I get to listen to God sometime. Amen. And so it, it says, when Saul, verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were greatly afraid. Amen. They put more faith in his words than they do in God. So then now David, okay, he shows up and he went, uh, it, uh, he the uh he's got older brothers who are down there listening to this nonsense what you listen to if you don't respond to it you're receiving it on some level now you may try to say to yourself i don't believe that i don't believe but you if you don't respond you're receiving it you got to put your word in there even if you get your teeth knocked out that's what my mother used to say <laughs> You don't let them talk to you any kind of way. Mama, they mean, hey, get your teeth knocked out, but you better talk back to them. Amen. Don't don't be a pushover. So his dad's got three older sons there. These three have already been rejected for king. Yes. And David was the youngest. Again, here's the baby. Spoiled baby, huh? Gets everything he wants. He don't take care of them sheep, right? 
Mm-hmm. So David, <clears throat> he his his dad sent him there to um, uh, take him see how the the thing was going. Verse seventeen. Jesse said to David, his son, "Take now for your brethren the ephah parched corn." So you know they they need provision. He's got the dad's got plenty, so he can afford to uh, you know feed his sons, make sure they're eating well. And carry all this stuff to them, give, give an offering to the captain, and look and see how your brothers are doing in the battle. Now, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli, fighting with the Philistines, or standing there. David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went as Jesse commanded him and came to the trench and as the host was going out to fight and shouted for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren as he talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spoke according to the same words and David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Yeah, but you're going to talk about it anyway. See, this is how bad news gets worse by repetition. You have to be careful when you're believing God for something, not to repeat the enemy's words, not to focus on the enemy's thoughts that he gives you. Amen. Stay in your word. And he says, surely to defy Israel, he has come up. And it shall be that the man that the that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches Give him his daughter as a wife. Make his father's house free of taxes. You get tax-free marriage. Amen. You get the everything you're laid out. And David, it really honoring him as he would his own son, to be honest with you, because this is what the son of the king lives like. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine? I mean, did I hear you right? You mean to tell me? Y'all gonna get all that and nobody's going out there to fight this dude? Huh? That's why he asked to repeat it. He said, did I hear that right? Y'all gonna let that pass by? He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, David is coming from a different place than they are coming from. See, they've been steeped in fear and unbelief for all these days. They've been listening to the negative. Everybody's convinced they can't do anything to stop him. David comes in fresh, like we do when we just read the word. We can get everything by faith. God, bring it on. I have it now. I receive it now. It's mine now, and I know it's mine now. Till the next day when you get up and the devil starts working you over, huh? And the people answered him after this manner saying, this, this is, this is what the deal is. I'll be get it and all that. So here comes, uh, hindrance number one. 
dangerous number one really is Saul's word. I mean, uh, Goliath's words. Amen. That, um, that I'm going to kill somebody. You can't beat me. Send somebody out. Hindrance number two is this brother of David's in verse 28. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and his anger was kindled against David. And he said, what would you come down here for? Who did you lead them few sheep with? I know your pride and your naughtiness of your heart. You come down that you want to see the battle and spectator and make fun of us and David still doesn't know what he did right. He's probably always answering to this older brother. You know, older kids like to put the younger ones in check all the time until the younger ones get wise and start checking them. Then they go shut up somewhere. Verse 30, and he turned from him toward another and spoke after the same manner. The people answered him again of the former manner. So David says, now what's going on here? Who do I believe? And when the words were heard, which David spoke, people ran in a hurry and told King Saul. Your words have carrying power. I don't know if we really understand where our words will go to. Amen. And how far they will carry. But when Israel would speak the word of God, they would say things like, I, re- I, I record heaven and earth No, I call heaven and earth to record this day what I am saying. So heaven and earth records what you say. This is how earth runs with it. Amen. Oh, Saul, there's somebody out there. Guess what? Somebody showed up that wants to fight Goliath. (laughs) Uh And so David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the In other words, he want, he's saying, I want to get to know him. I mean, what kind of reputation? What do y'all know about him? I'm interested. And so, so he says, and when the words were heard, which David spoke, they rehearsed him before Saul and Saul sends for him. David said to Saul, don't let any man's heart fail him because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. What does David know? He knows God. He knows his history with God. He knows he's been listening to God and God's pulled him out of trouble and God doesn't change. It doesn't matter the size. You know, the Philistine can't be worse than what he's fought already with God's help. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against him. Hmm? Because that's what Saul knows. He knows none of us have been willing to go fight him. And and he gives him this excuse, you're too young. This man was a, was a warrior before you were born. And David said to Saul, I, let me tell you something about what I've done. Gives him his resume. And he said, I kept my father's sheep. I mean, that's all I know is keeping sheep. Amen. He said, and there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. This could be both at one time. Or separate. And I went out after him. And hit him. And delivered it that that lamb out of his mouth. And he rose against me. And I yanked him by the. I mean I didn't just hit him. A a lucky lick. And he fled. I stood and fought him. Until he let my stuff go. Because that lamb didn't belong to him. He belonged to me. 
and the servant slew both the lion and the bear. I put the bear on hold until I kill the lion. In other words, that bear could have escaped while I fought the lion, but I decided to step on his neck and hold him down until I got done with that lion, and then I killed the bear. Amen? He says, and I put it together like this in my mind and in my heart. I kill both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. So in other words, God fights the battles of his people. So I don't care who I fight in the name of the Lord, God will fight for me. He will give, if I got to go out and duke it out hand in hand, he'll give me the strength to do it. And he will protect my life in the process. So this man is going to be just like the lion and the bear. And, and, and so Saul said to David, oh, okay. If you put it that way, right on, right on, brother. Go out there. <laughs> go out there and the Lord be with you. Uh, I bless you as you go. And Saul armed David with his armor. Now here's hindrance number two. Amen. Is Saul's armor. Somebody else's recommendation, somebody else's words, somebody else's protection. Somebody else's advice. David's doing good on his own. Just going with the word of the Lord. And David put all that stuff on. And he says, I can't do this. Because I don't know anything about this. Be careful of words that come to you out of nowhere. That don't add up with what you're doing in your life. Amen. Curveball prophecies. Amen. You haven't proved it. You got to pray about it. Amen. At least put it before God and say, God, if this is you, I'll go with it. If it's not you, maybe it's just something I want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And so he says, and he took his staff in his hand. That's his protection, normal protection. Took five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he uses. He don't even have armor. He got his his shepherd stuff. So sometimes you just got to use what you got. If God doesn't give you something different, you use what you got. Amen. And make it work. And so he put the sling in his hand and drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David. And the man that, that went, uh, his armor bearer went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David... He started cursing him. So this is how the enemy wins the battle with his words. Whatever the devil tells you you can't do, you got to answer him. You can't let him have the last words. You got to let your faith have the final word. You can't sit up depressed and angry and upset because you don't think you can do this. Just because the devil told you you couldn't do it. You got to answer him with what God told you. No enemy will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And he said, am I a dog? So he cursed him by his gods. I'm going to give your flesh to the fowls of the air. 
And then David said to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you with one thing, the name of the Lord. Amen. It's a strong tower. You've defied the armies of God. And this is the God of Israel. And you've defied God, not these people, these scared people down here. This day, the Lord, not tomorrow, not the next time I meet you. And I bet I see you coming out the street. I'm going to get you. (laughs) No, today, right now, right now, right now. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll hit you and kill you. Take your head off you. Give your carcass to the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and all the wild beasts and all the earth will know there's a God in Israel. This is how you end up the winner. By exalting your God. It's got to bring this for the glory of God that this thing is going down. Because you could be anybody who's using your faith. So it's not about you. It's about your God and about your faith in God. And it came to pass. As the Philistine got up and came near to meet David, David ran to meet him. Amen. He wasn't hiding somewhere trying to get a crack shot. He just went up against him and hit him with the best that he had. Amen. And he killed him. And he fell face down upon the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and slew him. But there was no sword in his hand. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew out the sheath of and cut his head out with his own sword. Amen. You, the devil will fall by his own words. Amen. He'll fall by his own power. Evil power will never stand against God and the armies of God. But God has to have somebody out here to declare that and to give a corresponding action to take the enemy out. Amen. That's why we pray repeatedly over and over again the same way, the same prayer. Because that prayer is going to work. Amen. It will take the uh, the enemy down. How many of you over the years have wondered about Roe v. Wade? When is it going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Am I praying this for real? Am I praying this in vain? I'll tell you when I, I really began to look. When that that lady, Abby, what's her name? came out of that abortion clinic and we had prayed for Christians that were involved in that for the God would cleanse the minds of people who worked in abortion so that they could do the will of God. And you see that come to pass. I said, Oh, we got to do all this is, is coming now. You understand what I'm saying? When you see that kind of stuff, you get encouraged because if that fell, the rest of it's going to fall. You got me? And God will have his way and have his will. Okay. We'll quit. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding of your word. Thank you for blessing us with your holy word, your word that moves mountains, your word that dispels evil. Your word that makes the blood of, of, of Baal and the blood of innocent victims cease its crying out to you. And we have a good day. We have a blessed day because of it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the earth. Thank you, Lord, for how you're bringing these things down. You're bringing the devil to his knees right before our very eyes. And I thank that you blessed us to be able to see it. 
so that we can appreciate what you're doing. We can glory in your presence, Father, for the good that you have done. Father, we thank you for keeping us, blessing us, helping us, bringing us into harmony with you. And we honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and pray. I'll pray for you and then I'll pray for people on the internet. Praise God. Amen. Miss Nola, did you remember to pray for Pastor Ovella's church in Detroit? Yeah, for uh, safety. Every 22nd of the month, we'll start putting that on our calendar. Uh, uh, this pastor in Detroit has declared that a day for peace and for, yeah, for uh, uh, safety in that city. So we join with them in, in what they're declaring before God so that we can be on one accord with what, what God's plan is for them. So we thank you for that.